You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. We're talking Royals baseball today on this Friday, January the 19th, with our good friend Jeffrey Flanagan, Royals reporter for MLB.com. Jeffrey, we thank you for the time and uh, kind of a light week in news uh, for the Royals, but they did make an addition to their front office, a man that's been in baseball for Literally over a half century, I believe, that uh, Gene Lamont is going into year 54 uh, in professional baseball. He has a, a resume that is the envy of, uh, of almost anybody. But following a dozen seasons uh, as the uh, third base coach and bench coach of the Tigers, he's now moving into a front office role alongside Dayton Moore. What exactly, uh, you know, tell us what you know or how much you know about what Gene Lamont is going to be doing and the kind of role that he's going to have alongside uh, the Royals GM. Yeah, I always like to, to, to kid Dayton that I think he, uh, he leads the league in uh, special assistance <laughs> to the general manager. Um, it's, uh, he's what, Dayton's always been a guy that when you, you get an, a, a mind, uh, an experienced baseball mind uh, such as Gene Lamont is available, uh, he's going to scoop him up. And uh, that was the case this, this time with, uh, with Gene, who uh, was, was not retained in Detroit. And uh, I, I spoke to Gene on, uh, I guess it was Monday, and uh, he still wasn't quite sure what his role would be. Um, he's probably going to overlook some minor league guys, maybe see some uh, major league games too, but uh, just kind of be, you know, an ear for, for Dayton Moore too. And uh, for interesting too, for Gene, it's kind of circling back home. He uh, got his start managing in the Royals farm system back in their glory days in the 70s and 80s. And, uh, we uh, we had a nice chat about some of the you know guys that he were he was managing back then the, the David Cones, Mark Gubaza, Danny Jackson, uh, Brett Saberhagen, some of the great names in Royals history, and uh, he he got a chance to to help them develop, and uh, here he is uh, all the way back to to where he started. So, um, uh, fifty four years in baseball, not quite ready to hang it up, mm-hmm. but he, he is. He did tell me too that he's kind of. Uh, I would say a little bit relieved that he's not going to be back on the field anymore. He just feels it's time to turn the page, and and now uh, he'll just offer his uh, his wisdom uh, to the front office here. Now that's interesting you say that because it, it sounds like that, uh, like you said, with the change in uh, in managers in Detroit, uh, going from Brad Ausmus to Ron Gardenhire, that uh, Gene Lamont was not retained. But you're saying that even if he was, uh, he had designs of kind of stepping away from his on-field yeah. duties. Is that kind of how it worked out? Yeah, I think so. I think at, at 71, he just thought, well, that it's, it's probably time to get off the field. So he was probably looking for some type of advisory role, and, uh, and this opportunity opened, and it's perfect for him. Absolutely. And uh, any sort of pre-existing relationship between Dayton Moore and Gene Lamont specifically, or was this kind of a, a, a cold call be, between you know the, the two sides to get him on board? You know, I, I asked Gene that too, and um, you know he's good friends with Rafael Belliard, uh, who is a you know a relationship with the Royals now, and, and um, they used to speak with Dayton occasionally on the field when Detroit came to town, and uh, obviously they knew each other, but they weren't really you know close or anything like that. And some dialogue just started to exist uh, after Gene knew he wasn't coming back to Detroit, and um, you know Dayton, Dayton made it work out, and uh, you know he's, he's happy about it, and Gene's happy about it, and. Here we are. We have the Royals have another uh, really sharp baseball guy in the system. 
And you can never have uh, too many of those. So it sounds like a, a perfect fit with uh, Gene Lamont uh, back with the Royals organization alongside uh, Dayton Moore in the front office. And we'll see how that relationship uh, develops uh, throughout the 2018 season and uh, hopefully for both sides uh, beyond 2018. Uh, Jeffrey, I know that last week uh, you gave us an update on the recovery, uh, the status of Ned Yost. It seems like that he, he's kind of doing all the things that he was doing uh, prior to that near-fatal fall. So it sounds like he's he's bounced back. It was just a, a minor hiccup in the road, a minor hurdle, and he's he's back to to living life the, the way that he was accustomed to, do, to doing before he landed uh, in the hospital. One thing I want to ask you, though, kind of a, a fun exercise here, uh, you know, let's go to uh, opening day at Kauffman Stadium, you know, whoever the Royals are playing, but the team is being introduced. And let's say for the sake of this exercise that the Royals do end up re-signing Eric Hosmer. So obviously he's going to be part of those uh, starting lineup introductions. Who gets the bigger applause? Who gets the more raucous round of applause? Is it Ned Yost or is it Eric Hosmer? Ooh, ooh. <laughs> That's a toughie because of uh, obviously what happened with Ned. Uh, yeah, yes, and you're right about Ned. He's back up in tree stands already, being the, the the nut that he is. You know, <laughs> it didn't take long. Uh, we're all worried whether he would even be available for spring training, and uh, and then he he let us know that, uh, oh yeah, he's going to be back for Fan Fest next week, and uh, oh yeah, back up fixing tree stands on my on my uh, in my backyard or you know on my property. So. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's going to be close. I mean, you know, there, there's a, a, a big love affair, of course, with Eric Hosmer, but um, you know, Ned Yost, uh, you know, brought them to to two pennants in a World Championship. Uh, once maybe the most despised man in town became one of the most beloved uh, in Ned Yost. Uh, so yeah, I think for, for the Royals fans' sake, they, they they would like to see that scenario. No question. I know Royals fans would love to scream their their lungs out on opening day for not just one of them, but both of them. Uh, we'll see, you know, what happens with Eric Hosmer. This has been the the most lukewarm of hot stools we've seen in quite some time. Uh, Hosmer's still out there. J.D. Martinez, Hugh Darvis, Jake Arrieta. You go down the whole list. Uh, any update at all in terms of any sort of dialogue between Hosmer and the Royals, or is it still kind of a, a kind of status quo? Yeah, I was talking to some of the Royals players about that actually this morning uh, by phone for for another story I'm doing, and uh, they're just amazed too. I mean, you you add Mike Mustakas to that list, Lorenzo Cain, uh, Jason Vargas. It's just uh, it's just endless. Uh, it's been a very freaky, uh, ice cold, uh, hot stove uh, <laughs> off season. No real update. You know, I do know that the, you know from the people in the front office that I've talked to too that. As each day passes, and you know now we're less than four weeks out of spring training. Um, as each day passes, they feel like there's a slightly better chance they they can pull one of these their own free agents back in, maybe even two. Uh, now that that's going to take some tricky accounting for Dayton Moore to do that because he's been adamant that he needs to trim payroll. So even if they did get a guy like Hosmer. For 15 to 18 to 20 million, he's got to take that much off the payroll. So you know that's that's still got to happen. And if you're going to add another guy to it, well, he's either got to do even more tricky accounting or go to go to ownership and you know on his hands and knees and bet to to you know let's expand the payroll a little bit. We've got an opportunity here. I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I I don't think they even envision this scenario unfolding where they'd still be you know here we go into the end of January and. They're still in position to possibly maybe retain a free agent or two. So 
Uh, should be a very curious next couple uh, weeks, I think, because there's, there's just you would just think there has to be some activity going uh, with all the the names that you mentioned too. That something's got to just you know break this up a little bit and get some action going. Yeah, I mean, the, the dam has to break at some point. Uh, you know, who does the breaking, we don't know. But uh, you would think at some point, you know, something does have to happen. So from your experience in, in covering, you know, off seasons and free agency in years past, at what point does your average player panic and call his agent and start freaking out? Is it when the calendar turns to February? Is it when, it, you know, is it maybe a little closer to spring training? Like, at what point does, does the panic start to really set in? You know, the, the, the guys I was talking to today uh, have been mentioning that, too. And, and really, most players start to go to spring training around February 3rd or 4th. And, you know, I, I think that's probably when players probably start calling their agent a few more times a day or mm-hmm. texting them and go, hey, my buddies are all leaving for Arizona or Florida. Uh, anything going on? Anything? You know? <laughs> that's when I think they start to get a little bit nervous and uh, they just don't like to be sitting around not doing anything while, you know, baseball kind of marches on. So uh, I would say by at least by the, the beginning of February, the first week of February, um, these guys might uh, take deals they might not have thought they, they would when, when free agency started. Um, and maybe they take a one-year deal or a two-year deal or something instead of the long-term deal they were hoping. Um, I don't know. I mean, this is, this is kind of – Uncharted territory for us because we—I don't think we've ever had a free agency period this stalled uh, in a long, long time with the, with the type of big name free agents we have on the market right now. Yeah, I mean, usually by this point, you know, us folks in the media, we're we're trying to you know come up with a uh, with projected rotations and lineups, you know, given the additions that the teams have made, but there have been no notable. There have been a couple, but for the most part, you know, we we ran down all the names. Uh, there's still some huge. Huge names out there, so we can't really do any projections because we don't know where these right. guys are going to end up. It's it's just crazy, like you said. This is really unprecedented. Let me ask you to come down the home stretch here. Obviously, you know Hosmer is the the number one target. That's the guy that the team wants back. That's the primary guy the fans want back. Let's assume that he moves on somewhere else. One of the other twenty nine teams scoops him up. Of Vargas, Mustakis, and Kane, who do you think is then becomes? the number one, uh, you know, desired player to come back? Probably Moose. Um, I think uh, uh, his presence at the clubhouse is, is a big factor. Um, you know, coming off a career year with 38 home runs, I think that the, they would love to see a guy like that come back. They do have a fill-in for him already with Chester Cuthbert, but Cuthbert could easily move somewhere else being a DH or maybe even if he, can, he has played some first base in the past himself. So Moose to me would be the logical one. Uh, if I had to rank them, uh, you know, maybe – I mean, we've talked about this before. Elcides Escobar is a guy that's, that's obviously still out there too, and I don't right. think there's going to be a massive market for him. So possibly he could come back kind of on the cheap uh, as a backup shortstop alternative to uh, Raul Monesi, the, the used to be their top prospect who's going to get the shortstop, shortstop job next year. Um, and then maybe, you know, what if Vargas would be willing to accept a one-year seven or $8 million deal? Would you bring him back uh, two years removed from Tommy John's surgery? So there's still a lot of, you know, of those situations in play yet. And uh, I'm sure the front office is, is doing what we're doing. They're going, what if, what if, what if? So uh, as, we get, as we get closer and closer to, to spring training, uh, 
uh, these scenarios are possibly going to come to fruition. Yeah, I mean, like like you said, uh, th- this entire offseason has been what if, and it's been a huge waiting game, and it's something that we have never seen, uh, at least in recent memory. This has been a hot stove, and I use that term very loosely, uh, <laughs> unlike other hot stoves in the past. But at some point, something's got to happen. We we keep hoping, we keep the fingers crossed, and, and maybe one of these weeks we'll have a flood of activity and, and moves to discuss, but that week... It's not this week. But, Jeffrey, nonetheless, we, we thank you for the time and for the contributions. We'll see where it all leads. Uh, maybe, like I said, by this time next week, uh, something will have happened. But in the meantime, it's Matt Waymar signing off for MLB.com Extras, Kansas City Royals.